Welcome to another episode of the Calgary Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Slim, and today we've got Scott Wildeman. He's the Senior VP of Fitness and Operations at Gym Movement. Now, not only did he work his way up the ranks for like 20 years with the organization, which you may recall was World Health Club. He started off as a personal trainer and kind of worked his way up, uh, kind of plugged away at it. But he's also now the president of the Fitness Industry Council of Canada. And the conversation really got interesting when we started to talk about that. Now, keep in mind, this was recorded back in October, even before studios were modified to open gym. You know, group fitness is not allowed here in Alberta, but uh, open gym format is. So, his work to lobby the provincial and federal governments was already well underway when we were having this conversation. Now, something that he said that really stuck with me, it was that fitness should be part of the solution when we get things back on track. You know, it's not just the economy and opening up business. It's about taking care of our physical and mental well-being. And that can obviously be improved by taking care of ourselves at a gym. Now, we also spoke about how such a large organization was able to pivot so quickly to offer online options. Now, they did it in just a couple of days. Incredible with that much staff. Now, he also spoke about how his life as a girl dad keeps him busy and also what's ahead for 2021. Please, before we get to the podcast, take a minute, subscribe and share it with anybody you know that will get some value out of this. And if you could do me a huge favor and leave a five-star rating, let's keep this podcast growing and I can't do it without your help. Thank you so much. Now take it away to Scott. Right now, supporting local is more important than ever, and so is eating high-end local to your province products. Once I discovered True Local, a local company that delivers high-quality meats from local farmers right to your door, I thought it was important to share the word. Use the code TRUESLIMFITNESS at checkout and get three pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef on the house if you purchase a regular box. Now, there's a link in the description of the podcast where you can discover more about the benefits of free-run or grass-fed products, plus we're supporting local farmers. Again, that code, TRUESLIMFITNESS, use that at checkout, T-R-U-S-L-I-M-M-F-I-T-N-E-S-S, use it at checkout, to get three pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef on the house if you purchase a regular box. Thanks so much. Here's the podcast. Scott Wildeman with me on the Calgary Fitness Podcast. This one I'm actually very excited for. And the reason is, is because, Scott, you've got an, an incredible resume. We were chatting kind of offline back and forth on emails. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell people who you are, who you help, and who you serve. Okay, great. Well, it's my pleasure to be here and grateful for this opportunity. Um, yeah, I am currently a partner with uh, Gym Movement. So we have 22 locations throughout Calgary and Edmonton. Um, been with that organization for over 20 years. Um, started as a personal trainer, teaching group fitness classes, became a fitness manager, eventually a regional, and uh, was able to become a partner a few years ago. Uh, so that's been an incredible journey, and I've seen a lot of growth and uh, successes and challenges along the way, which I'm sure I can touch on. And then uh, currently, I'm also the president of the Fitness Industry Council of Canada. So that's a nonprofit trade association. And we lobby the government and try to advance the interests of the entire industry, uh, inclusive of nonprofits, for profits, boutiques, uh, big box, suppliers, certification, etc. 
Uh, and I'm also on the board and the president of Prescription to Get Active. So that's a nonprofit uh, where doctors and um, healthcare providers write physical activity prescriptions for their patients, and we basically link them to recreation and fitness uh, activities in their community. Uh, and if they're in rural or rural remote, uh, they have the opportunity to participate with remote coaching. So yeah, it's uh, pretty busy. And then in my spare time, I'm, uh, or in my, uh, you know, my real job, I'm a, a father of two daughters, uh, and they're age 15 and 12. Uh, so they're pretty awesome. And my fiance is a very active uh, person, national team athlete, triathlon. So, you know, we got a lot going on. Busy household for sure. Um, I'm a girl dad too, but mine are much younger. So I've got a four-year-old and a seven-month-old. So it's awesome. It's awesome being a girl dad, hey? It is. And congratulations on your uh, new addition. And uh, enjoy the moments because um, I remember when mine were that little and it's like you blink and you're teaching them how to drive. Totally. So, you know, what's funny too, kind of a, a an aside here, but my second daughter was born the day after Tom Hanks was diagnosed with Corona. Uh, the NBA canceled its season. The WHO declared the pandemic. So we have, you know, her name is Jovi, but we kind of nickname her Covey because it's just the timing was just, you know, all all at the same time. So having a baby during COVID-19 has been very interesting. I'll say that for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm curious too. So, gym movement. Um, what did it used to be like? What did, what did, what was the tr transition over the past couple of years? Because um, it was formerly World Health. Is that correct? Yeah. So it was actually formerly World Health and Spa Lady. Uh, so the the long story is uh, many moons ago, there was World Health Club in Calgary and Edmonton, and Club Fit in Edmonton. And uh, we joined forces and uh, rebranded those clubs to World Health. Uh, we were able to purchase Spa Lady in 2010. So we had uh, Spa Lady under the moniker. Uh, we sold the Edmonton clubs uh, to Edmonton shareholders and repurchased them back uh, in 2018. And we just found it was incredibly, um, you know, it wasn't really efficient in terms of running different brands. And we also had different platforms, so different membership softwares, different um, systems that we operated on. So we really wanted to uh, bring everything under one name, one banner. Uh, Spa Lady is a very unique uh, culture. So we wanted to make sure that we were able to still maintain the women's only uh, side of the business. So Jim Movement and her Jim Movement uh, came out of that rebrand. And it was also time to rebrand, uh, but we're really proud of what we've accomplished. And uh, we started to see great momentum uh, pre-COVID. And I'll say this too, like my fitness journey started many moons ago at World Health. I mean, that was the first club that I ever stepped in. Um, it's, it's you know, it just has a special place in my heart. So it's it's good to hear that we're getting this connection now all these years later. Great. Which which club did you start at? Uh, Richmond Road in South Richmond, Calgary. Okay. Yeah, Excellent. yeah. So I was there for, geez, I don't know. I'm going to say four years. I was training out of that studio, hired a personal yeah. trainer, and that's, you know, had them on, on for a year. So, yeah, it was great. It was a great place to start. Awesome. So I want to know you personally, like, like, I mean, talk about you as like a child, a teenager. Who were you and how did you develop into this role that you're at now? Yeah. So um, 
It's interesting because when I was a kid, uh, I was sedentary. I was not very active. I didn't play sports uh, up until about grade nine. And, you know, I was overweight and I had big Coke bottle glasses. So the only exercise I got was running away from the bullies at lunchtime. Um, you know, and I had pretty low self-esteem and um, I'm not still not sure why, but this one uh, kid kind of befriended me and he was pretty athletic and we started playing basketball and riding bikes. And I can still remember the day where I rode up the Edworthy uh, Park Hill. So if you know Calgary, that giant road in Edworthy Park, I rode my bike up to the top of that hill without stopping. And uh, that was the first time where I felt like I was actually getting into shape. And so my friend, my buddy, uh, convinced me to try out for the football team in grade 10. And I did, and I was terrible. And, uh, but I made the team because I went to a small high school. So Ernest Manning High School in the Southwest uh, was where I went. And they didn't cut anybody, and it was a small program. So I was uh, on the team, and my first year, I was... Uh, I think my official position was tackling dummy. Uh, so I was not very good. Uh, but my coach saw something in, in me, a work ethic, uh, and he taught me how to lift weights. So we had a, a gym in the high school uh, fitness center. So I started uh, weight training and I really liked it. And I started to see results and, um, you know, was able to turn myself into a pretty decent athlete. So played rugby uh, played football by my last year. I was captain of the football team, uh, you know, on the Alberta All-Star uh, for rugby um, and then had a, a career in junior football with the Calgary Colts. And at the time, I was really uh, had aspirations to be a physical education uh, specialist, a teacher, because uh, I just know the impact that my coaches and teachers made on my life in terms of improved self-confidence, self-efficacy, um, and I just felt that fitness was so incredibly important uh, for kids. So I did my formal education at the University of Calgary. I did a kinesiology degree. I majored in pedagogy, which is uh, teaching. Uh, I was going to uh, do a joint degree with education and become a teacher. And right at the last second, I changed my mind. And uh, what happened at the time is I was in a practicum to become a teacher and um, there was some uh, labor disputes at the time, and it was just kind of a negative environment. And I was second-guessing, do I want to do this as a career? Uh, and at the same time, I was working part-time as a floor monitor, a fitness center monitor at the Edgemont Club in Calgary. That was my job while I was in university. And my boss uh, convinced me to go to a conference with him in Toronto. So it was the CanFit Pro Conference in Toronto. Uh, and this was in 1999. And I just at that moment made the decision that this is the career I'm going to be in because um, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go to a fitness conference of that magnitude. There's 8,000 people there. Everybody's just, you know, the energy is palpable. The keynote speakers were incredible. Uh, and I was just inspired. And I felt as a fitness professional, I am a teacher. I'm just going to be teaching adults. Uh, how to exercise and change their life versus uh, youth. And so I made a career uh, pivot kind of last second. And I still have a lot of my friends are teachers, and I have nothing but great things to say about teachers. Uh, but it was just a unique time for me, and I 
uh, started personal training. And this is back in Calgary when there wasn't really, you know, a lot of personal trainers in the industry. There was probably less than 100 total. Um, so I was personal training. I was teaching group fitness classes. Uh, and then at the time, World Health Club bought the Edgemont Club. And so I was invited to uh, join that company. And I remember um, one of the directors at the time, uh, Tracy Shotanis, uh, who's been in the fitness industry for forever, she invited me to attend a body pump training uh, course, so a group fitness class, uh, teaching weights to music. And that was a real launch pad for me because that, that class and that whole workshop was really inspirational. Uh, so I had a pretty long, well, not terribly long, a number of years where I was training full-time, uh, teaching classes full-time, and it was awesome, uh, and then was asked to be a fitness manager, and then eventually asked to be a regional, uh, and just kind of worked my way up through the organization. Uh, the organization did a, um, a deal with a private equity firm, and I was able to uh, become a partner at that time. So it's just been a real wild ride, uh, you know, growing not only our company, but seeing the industry grow at the same pace. Uh, and now if you look at the fitness industry 20 years later, you know, we have vocational schools that are dedicated just to fitness. Uh, the certification, um, you know, there's vast uh, number of certifications. The continued education is spot on. So we've really matured as an industry, and it's just been really cool to see the growth over the last 20 years. I mean, you were talking earlier, too, about pre-COVID. I'm curious, how has COVID really impacted not only you, but let's talk about the business itself. How, how have things been changing? Well, uh, obviously, the forced closure was huge. Uh, so, you know, as an organization, we quickly pivoted to online. Uh, and I'm really proud of what we did because we were able to uh, create a remote personal training stream and a remote group fitness stream in a matter of weeks, something that would normally take a matter of months or even a year. Uh, we were able to quickly pivot to continue to serve our members and serve Albertans. And, you know, this is at a time that uh, fitness, I think, is even more important than normal. I think fitness is always important. Um, but during COVID, especially the forced lockdown of everything, you know, social isolation, um, we just really felt passionately about serving our, our members and our community. So uh, we wanted to, to move to remote. It was a lot of work, a lot of long days, long hours, but, you know, I'm really proud of what we were able to pull off. Um, you know, I've always taken pride in my work ethic and uh, working hard, but the last six months have been just a whole other level of working hard and working long hours. So uh, but it's not just me. It's frankly anybody who's in the industry, who owns a business, who's, you know, trying to keep the lights on. Everybody's, um, you know, really uh, taking it up a notch. So it's been it's been hard. It's been exhausting at times. Um, but, you know, I am proud of my colleagues and what we've been able to accomplish. So there is definitely a sense of pride there. Yeah, talk about how fulfilling that is. Like, I mean, like you mentioned, to pivot to an online platform in a matter of days, right? I mean, there, there's really no plan that goes into it. It's like, now, we need that now. So talk about how that feels as a, as a team, as an organization, and yourself personally to make that pivot. Well, I think, 
you know, we were able to retain a number of our personal trainers uh, and keep them working remotely. Not all of them, which is, you know, one of the things I wish we could have done, but this all happened at light speed. So we did have a number of, of our staff that unfortunately were on the temporary layoff, uh, but we were able to have a number of staff and they were, you know, they were also the trailblazers. They put their hand up and said, you know, I want to make sure that I do whatever I can to help members and, and, you know, help my clients. And, you know, they did pretty well. Like I'm actually, when you sit back and look at it, the amount of clients that they were able to keep engaged during the full closure was pretty awesome. Um, and then same thing with the group fitness. So we created a, an online platform called Gym Movement Go. Uh, so we live stream classes to people's homes through any sort of remote device, internet, um, you know, whether it's a laptop or a smart TV or phone. And we were able to keep a number of our instructors engaged uh, teaching classes that way, as well as uh, what we did on Instagram. And, you know, when you now that we're reopened, and there was lots of hiccups. So it wasn't like a smooth, smooth process by any means. So there was a lot of hiccups and a lot of, um, you know, things that we had to problem solve. But when you hear members come up to you now that we're open, they say, you know, I just want to let you know how much I appreciate what you did because you kept me going. And I needed this. I needed you guys. I needed fitness. I needed to stay connected to my community, my trainer, my instructor. Um, you know, when people tell you that, it's all worth it, right? So uh, you really realize the impact you have on people's lives and uh, just in terms of how appreciative they are uh, that you were able to actually offer those services. So it, it is inspirational and uh, you feel good about it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially right now too, like just talk about the importance of movement, like intelligent movement at this point. I mean, we are entering the winter. So so just maybe talk about how important it is, not only from a physical standpoint, but like mental health and, and everything. Well, you know, my favorite saying is whatever gets worse with age, it gets better with exercise. Uh, so whether that's aches and pains, whether that's, you know, memory, uh, cognition, et cetera. So um, today, um, from a mental health standpoint, we know there's going to be a tsunami of anxiety and depression coming, and it's already starting to show up. You know, you read in the paper that people phone a, a distress line and it takes a week for somebody to get back to them. And that's an urgent distress line. So the whole system is overwhelmed with, with people. And, you know, we have a sick care system, not really a healthcare system. And this is not to disrespect anybody that works in healthcare, because I know everybody's trying their best. Um, but we need to be part of the solution as an industry. And so we know when people exercise um, and, you know, specifically, uh, moderate intensity, so not necessarily high intensity intervals, uh, uh, there is an anxiety and depression benefit. And that benefit is equivalent to pharmaceutical treatment. So, uh, and this has been well researched and well documented. You know, if you research any of the exercises medicine literature, you know that moderate exercise has the same effect on anxiety and depression and low to medium intensity anxiety and depression. Um, as pharmaceutical treatment. So, um, you know, the whole healthcare system is under great strain right now. So we really need people to exercise. And we also realize that people are scared to death 
um, well, some of them are scared to death of coming into a facility. And so what we're trying to do is show people that one, we're safe, we're safe as we can be. We're trying our best with all of our uh, precautions and systems in place. We really haven't seen spread in uh, facilities that follow the rules. And so, you know, you can come and try before you buy, come and have a tour, come and check for yourself. And many people are feeling more and more comfortable coming back into the facilities because we're seeing our attendance go up every week. But there's also people that aren't, and that's fine. And so for those folks, make sure that you're leveraging, you know, your remote personal training, your remote group fitness classes um, for two reasons. Most importantly, your own health. But second, you're also supporting your local fitness professional. Um, you know, it's there's lots of options out there. So when you're able to actually support local, uh, you know that you're supporting local families and local businesses. I mean, one thing that that and this is just my opinion. And as you know, people, people who work at gyms and people who are gym owners and gym managers and everything like that, the, the cleanliness now that you mentioned and the systems and, and the priority prioritization to cleanliness. I mean, to me, that's not necessarily a courtesy, like it's a responsibility at this point to like not only show people that we are taking this seriously, but we're here to keep you safe at the same time. How do you feel about that? A hundred percent, one hundred percent. And we do take it very seriously. Um, I'm very proud of what we've been able to do as an industry. And, you know, I've been in not only our clubs, but some of our, our colleagues who own studios and facilities. And I, I feel that they're some of the cleanest places you can be in. Um, and I've said this in numerous interviews, tell me another business where you actually are able to sanitize something before you touch it. Um, you know, so you have within your own power to keep yourself safe. The, you know, and this isn't disrespect to any other industry, but you don't, you go to the grocery store, you don't sanitize the cereal box before you pick it up, right? So versus in a fitness facility, you can literally sanitize everything before you touch it. And then we also have increased cleaning measures just in terms of staffing, right? So everybody has, you know, part of a checklist and everybody's cleaning on a regular basis. So I feel that our clubs and facilities and studios are the cleanest they've ever been and some of the cleanest and uh, sanitized places you can actually go. And I'm curious too, like this is the side of things that I don't really know about, but talk about the cooperation with the federal government, the provincial governments to, you know, make sure that you mentioned extra staff if you need for cleanliness, like talk about how that happens and maybe the support from the government, like have you had enough support from the government uh, to go through this, this, this time? Yeah, so um, that's a very loaded question. Uh, so I'll say that as an industry and as an association, we want to partner with government to be part of the solution. So we know that they have a huge job uh, and they have to make very large decisions that have you know far reaching implications. So that's not taken lightly. We wanna make sure that we're part of the conversation. So when we reopened, uh, we actually were able to submit a proposal to the government uh, provincially uh, with our reopening guidelines. And we sit on an association, an international association called URSA, so the International Health and Racket Sports uh, Association. And we were able to learn best practices of what's happening around the world uh, in terms of fitness centers and COVID. And um, we actually were 
you know, it's really inspired by New Zealand's model. So we were able to copy a lot of what they do uh, and implement that into our model and present that to the government. And it was well received and we were actually able to open the industry instead of being in phase three, you know, move up into phase two. And we learned through that process that government doesn't really know what we do. So they lumped us in with nightclubs. Um, and it's just because, you know, there was a perception that gyms are just a free for all and lots of people in crammed close quarters and not a lot of systems in place. So we were able to educate government on what we actually do to actually uh, open up. Since then, the industry, you know, cues uh, has been very uh, well received by a lot of players in the industry. So the emergency wage subsidy, um, the rent assistance has had some controversy and so um, we felt it was flawed for two reasons one is the landlord it was really incumbent on the landlord to apply so if the landlord chose not to apply the tenant wouldn't receive any rent support and the second flaw was tying it to caps on a per location basis of fifty thousand dollars a month rent uh, or a business that had over $20 million of rent or of revenue, top line revenue in 2019. So both of those groups would be excluded. And so that, what that did was exclude the larger players, um, but they still have the same issues that a smaller single operator would have. They just have them on a bigger scale. So we are currently working with government. Uh, we feel our lobbying efforts along with other associations like the restaurant and bar association and you know other industry associations we've now gotten the rent support to be diverted directly to the tenant so that's the first win and the second win that we're looking for and really trying to uh, make our voices heard is just the uh, $50,000 cap and the uh, $20 million 2019 revenue cap and we feel that 2019 revenues are really um you know, they, they don't really matter at this point because mm. it's not 2019 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, I'm curious, what does 2021 look like? Well, you know, it's like, uh, let's get to next week and see what the week after that looks like. Um, <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, where I think the industry is going to go is, you know, we're resilient, we're creative. We, um, we think outside of the box. So what I think you're going to see just, you know, in general is, you know, you're going to see some uh, hybrid services. So it'll be normal for a person who maybe used to go to the gym four days a week or three days a week. Well, maybe you go twice a week now and then you do a couple workouts at home and you use remote services. So kind of blending those two things together, I think will be part of the norm. I think more and more fitness professionals are getting comfortable with online services. Um, so I think that's going to be part of it. Um, you know, you may see some players that, um, you know, whether they're small studios or whatnot, where they want to do a, a merger with, uh, another group. Um, so you may see some consolidation in the industry. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out, but I do know that as an industry, we are resourceful and we are creative. Love that. I, I want to get back to gym movement now and let's talk about her gym movement. I mean, why is it so important to have like such an inclusive space? Well, 
there's, you know, given the choice, when asked, many females uh, say they would prefer a women's only environment to uh, to exercise in. And it's, you know, and I'm a male, so I can't speak to this with, you know, uh, the way some of my female colleagues would. But when I go into a herd gym movement, you you see folks that are just, you know, really comfortable with themselves. They They feel that it's not about, you know, what I look like. It's about I'm here to get better to get strong, to get healthy, um, and I can do it in the body that I have. And that's what we want every member to feel like, regardless if you're in a co-ed facility gym movement or a herd gym movement. It's about the journey. It's, it's about the process. It's about being healthy. It's about being strong. It's not necessarily about how you look. And, you know, that's just the messaging that we want to get to folks but it really is just a comfort. Uh, and you have a lot of folks that just feel a lot more comfortable in a women's only facility versus a co-ed facility. We also have a lot of members who have, you know, they might have uh, religious um, beliefs where they can't uh, take off a hijab, for example, and exercise if there's a man. So, you know, allowing a little bit more freedom uh, that way has been very, very well received by a lot of members. And when I say when I go in, uh, I actually can't go into our facilities unless it's on a maintenance day. So we do have some uh, designated dates where men can enter and we make sure all the members know that we're coming. And that's usually uh, for maintenance, uh, trades, and that's when I can actually go into a facility. But it is pretty cool. And we've seen a lot of uh, members that I don't think would feel comfortable coming into a co-ed facility who feel very comfortable in a herd gym movement. And that's why it's so special. You know, and, and th th that's the thing is like, there's a lot of intimidation that could come if, especially if you're just starting out a fitness journey, for example, and you just don't know where to go, but to have that inclusive environment, I think is, is really crucial. And to be honest, like kudos to you and your team for making that a a available for people. I mean, there's one right up the street from me. I can see it, you know, it's like a block away from me and, and obviously I can't go, but you know, I, I, I just kudos to you and your team for making that available. Yeah. And you know, um, Obviously, it wasn't our idea. Spa Lady was founded in the 80s uh, by Ed and Angie Forrest, and they had a really uh, great concept, and, and we were able to partner with them and uh, continue that legacy. And, um, you know, the other thing that's really great about her gym movement and, and uh, the Spa Lady brand was the, the focus they put on integrating a new member into the facility and really teaching them how to use the equipment and making sure people feel comfortable exercising. And so we've now expanded that same process to all of our locations. So we feel we have a very robust new member integration program where, you know, we will give somebody six sessions with exercise professionals to teach them how to exercise. You know, we'll teach them a, a, a real um, full body introductory circuit, um, you know, and make sure that they have a few opportunities to work with a trainer. And the whole point of that is to make sure that they have a high level of self-efficacy. And so self-efficacy is your belief that you can actually do this. And one of the things that really startled me, um, you know, when I was looking at industry trends, is that most people have tried and failed at being a gym member at some time in the past. And 
you know, to me, that just shows that we need to do better as an industry. If most people have tried and failed, then somewhere along the lines, we have failed uh, that member. So we really need to focus not only on, you know, a great physical result, but we have to make sure that we're focused on the journey. We have to build community and we have to build self-efficacy. People have to believe that they can do this, that they have the ability to do it. So, um, and once that self-efficacy is there and they can build that behavior and, and really build it as part of their lifestyle, then we've done something pretty amazing. I love that. I love, can you say those again, the self-efficacy and what were the other ones? Self-efficacy is your ability, is your belief that you can do it. So you can do this whole go to the gym thing. Yeah. So if you have that belief in yourself, then you can do pretty amazing things. I think, and I think that that is key right there, right? Because at the end of the day, when, if a person feels like they have failed at the gym, I think, like you said, it's a, it's more of a failure on the person delivering the services, and well, it's one, not necessarily example, that person. Yeah, one example I use all the time with our staff is if you have a, a member, or they're not even a member yet, you have somebody who wants to be a member, they're thinking of being a member, and you ask them, how many times a week can you work out? The number one answer we get is five. Now, why is this person saying five days a week? Well, the answer is because they think that's the right answer. They think that's what we want to hear. And so when they say five days a week, I'm going to work out five days a week. Our initial response is good job. You're going to do great then high five, right? We get them all excited because it's a very positive thing. But the reality is, is people have a challenge working out five days a week, right? So when they work out three days a week, but they said they are going to go five days a week, they now feel like they've failed. And what we need to do as an industry and as professionals is we need to make sure that people know that it's okay. It's okay to come one day a week. It's okay to come two days a week. That is still winning. More is better than none. And so when people set the expectations to be perfect, we have to give them permission to not be perfect. Another example that you see all the time is just in terms of the number of goals people set. So we often see, I want to lose weight. So I'm going to start to exercise. I'm going to change my nutrition. I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. I'm going to give up caffeine. Uh, you know, I'm going to sleep better. And overnight they try and change everything. And it's just, it's too much. So there's lots of research. Uh, John Berardi with Precision Nutrition uh, has done a lot of research on this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you try and change too many things at once, it's overwhelming and then people fail. So again, just give permission. You know what? I, I applaud your enthusiasm. Let's just focus on coming to the gym twice a week, once a week. If we can do that, then we can add a new goal versus trying to change everything over overnight. And so when we're talking about self-efficacy and behavior change, it's really important that as a fitness professional, we make sure people know they don't have to be perfect. And um, anything you're reading in, you know, certain magazines and you see people photoshopped, you know, that's just not reality for a lot of people. So we have to make sure that we're coaching people that, uh, you know, whatever we're doing, we want it to be sustainable. We want it to last for the rest of your life, not just a quick fix. 
I love that. And I'm actually taking my PN certification right now. And I mean, there's just so much that goes into it when it is. And it's so client centered, which I think is so important. And I can tell from by the way that you're speaking, you're also focusing on the client as well and just their individual needs um, and just maybe guiding them down that path instead of saying, that's great. Here you go. Here's your membership. You're on your own. It sounds like we're also I mean, we're teaching them how to, you know, but like you said, permission is what I'm trying to say. You're giving them permission to go on this journey and not be perfect. I love to hear that. Well, and even with uh, personal training clients. So, you know, one of the things I try to stress with our staff and with our trainers or anytime I'm talking to anybody is, you know, meet the client where they're at. Don't try and force whatever your opinions are or your, you know, personal beliefs about exercise onto that client because some is better than none. And uh, one of my colleagues, real smart guy, Curtis Howden, you know, he taught me, you got to give the client what they want, sneak in what they need. And so an example of this is, you know, if a client, you know, really hates burpees, um, you know, and they give you that feedback, even though a burpee is a great exercise and it might be what the client needs, it's not what they want. So listen to them, give them something else and always ask your client feedback. So one of the favorite uh, mechanisms I have for that is qualitative feedback. So on a scale of zero to 10, how do you enjoy the workout today? You're going to give me a number if it's an eight. If it's an eight, my next question is going to be, what do you need to get it to a 10? And that will force a qualitative conversation versus just how'd you like the session today it was fine okay great so you want that you're asking for specifics so you can respond to that client um, but you always want to make sure you give them what they want and then you can sneak in what they need but too often I hear where trainers are you know they're giving the client what they need but they eventually lose that client because they don't have the client feels the trainer's not listening to them what a great analogy. I love that line. That is that is so great. I love to hear that. Um, let's talk about trainers themselves. I mean, you've, you've had some experience with trainers. What makes a trainer a good one? Like, how do you know that you found a good trainer for your team? Well, I think um, from a customer standpoint, empathy is huge. So having empathy, where's that client that day? So uh, an example is you might have a client and they have a goal of, you know, completing a outdoor, like an obstacle course race, and they have a very specific training regimen, but they also have a newborn at home, which you can relate to. And they didn't get any sleep and they just are tired and they don't feel well. So what are you going to do in that moment? Are you going to just go push forward with the program that you've developed, or are you going to modify and focus more on mobility and um, you know, movement versus intensity, because, you know, you have to be flexible and you have to understand that that client didn't get any sleep. Uh, so there's going to be a physiological response to that. And maybe a high intensity workout isn't what the client isn't in their best interest. So being empathetic, um, I think is huge. The ability to progress and regress exercises. So especially in a team environment, so, you know, really creating uh, focus on team training. Uh, research shows that having a workout buddy will keep people um, attending and, and build that lifetime behavior change. 
So if you have multiple people in a session, you, let's say you have a team of four members, four clients, they're not all at the same fitness level, right? So how do you progress and regress exercises for those four different people? So they're all kind of doing the same thing, but they're doing it at their level. So that's very, very important. And then just from a business standpoint, you know, the ability to continue to um, prospect for new clients is what separates the best trainers from the rest. So actually taking time out of your week, setting specific time for uh, business building activities for prospecting um, versus building up your client base initially and then forgetting to continually look for new clients. Um, you know, even the best trainers have some fall offs. So making sure that you're always always, always looking for new clients is really important. And then there's a many ways to do it. But, you know, in our facility, you got to be able to walk up to people and build relationships with them, especially those that are doing cardio. And, you know, they're, they might be shy and introverted themselves. They're never going to come up to us. So we have to be able to walk up to them and start a conversation and, and build a relationship. So those are some of the key traits. One thing you mentioned too um, in, in, in email form is you said science. Can you tell me why training with science back data is very important as well? Well, there's just so, you know, I'll call them the Insta trainers, people that uh, are not certified, they're not credentialed. Uh, they might have, uh, you know, they have a successful workout regimen for themselves and then they just apply that regimen to everybody else without any scientific backing. And when you have that happen, you put people at risk, right? And do you really understand contraindications? Do you really understand uh, what you're potentially doing to that client? I used the example of the, the member who didn't get any sleep and being able to regress that exercise. Uh, but what if you're also dealing with a client with moderate anxiety? Well, a high intensity workout could actually in exacerbate their symptoms. Um, they're already on adrenal overload. So the last thing they need is more adrenaline through a high intensity workout. Um, so, you know, understanding if somebody has uh, any sort of metabolic disorders, diabetes, right? So uh, COPD, how do you actually help with that client? Um, do you refer them to a, to a colleague who has a higher uh, skill set? Or do you just push ahead with the workout that you think everybody should do? And unfortunately, what we're seeing is too many Insta trainers, you know, influencers on Instagram. And some of their advice is frankly dangerous um, and it's inappropriate. So making sure that you're credentialed, um, you know, as an industry association, we're really pushing for recognition from the government for registered exercise professionals. So if a uh, uh, person is hiring a personal trainer or an instructor who's certified, being able to deduct those fees from their income tax uh, would be something we would love to see. Because if you've taken the time to become certified and you continue with continued education opportunities, you know that you're going to be cutting edge and we know that those clients are in safe hands versus somebody who uh, has no education, no background, and they're just doing the workout of the day because that's what they do. And so we want to make sure that they understand you should always be able to answer the question, why are you doing that with that client? And if you don't know the answer to that, you shouldn't be doing it. 
let's I, like I gotta take it down the Instagram social media side for just a second. Like I, obviously I'm on Instagram. That's that's kind of where I live too. But I'm also on TikTok. I don't know if your girls are on TikTok at all. Have you uh, like they they are on TikTok? Yeah. I don't really get it. They do like <sighs> dances and things. Um, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but they yeah. are on TikTok. So there is a fitness side on TikTok, Scott, and it and it it honestly scares me because there's there's two sides on on fitness TikTok right now. There's the power lifters and there's the aesthetics, and that's it, right? And I understand that you you some people could have performance goals and some people could have that aesthetic goal, but there's not a lot of health that goes into that too right so then you'll you'll hear tips about like i think i saw one the other day it was like have gummy bears immediately after your workout to you know spike up your glycogen levels and i'm like like is this the best advice that you should be giving out to preteens, teenagers young adults who are hoping to maybe get into that fitness industry well and god forbid one of those uh, viewers has type 1 diabetes so um you know there's it's dangerous and it's uh frankly negligent so we need to make sure people are you know i i guess TikTok maybe should have some sort of disclaimer um you know with this this uh so-called advice the other thing when you talk about power lifters and aesthetics and it's not a bad thing to be a power lifter or to be an aesthetic athlete uh, but if that's all you're showcasing if somebody isn't that, how do they feel about themselves? So, you know, if, uh, if a kid is like I was, right, before I became active, I was, you know, a little bit overweight. I had big Coke bottle glasses. I was not athletic. Um, you know, I played video games. I, you know, watched movies. Um, so if I, at that time, was exposed to, um, you know, athletics, aesthetics, and you're not that, how do you feel about yourself? You know, you don't have a lot of self-confidence. So it's really important, kind of like what I was talking about earlier with her gym movement and gym movement. You know, we need to make sure that fitness is about the journey. It's not about the end result. And it's okay to be an athlete and to have that end result. But we need to make sure that over, that it's a balanced message. You know, it's okay. Just be active, be healthy, be the best version of you that you can be. Uh, you don't need to compare yourself with uh, power lifters and aesthetic athletes because that is totally. a really small percentage of the population. Totally. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not crapping on these people's goals. I love how hard they work. They're some of the hardest working people I've ever seen. I, I totally understand that. And I can get that. But my wife was on TikTok the other day and she was like, so she doesn't get any fitness content filtered to her. But she was like, she was scrolling and it was like, funny video, funny video, funny video depressing video and then funny video. So it's almost like, like we can relate that back to fitness because it's like, you could be getting keto message. You could, and then it's keto, keto, keto. And then all of a sudden it's carnivore diet or something to that effect. So there's just, there's no filter on what content is coming to you. Right. And that's where I think the real danger comes in on a platform like that is because just because you've edited a really good video together, that's going to be promoted to an audience who, maybe doesn't know what they're really consuming and they might try these things. And it's, you know, like you said, it's super dangerous. Well, and the nutrition industry has made trillions of dollars uh, confusing consumers. So, you know, what is that right quote unquote diet and how many people have tried multiple diets, uh, multiple meal plans, 
uh, and they've had initial results, but it wasn't sustainable. And then they've had that rebound. So they've tried and they've failed. Looks like I've uh, lost Scott here, but uh, I'm going to keep recording here just for a little bit. And I want to touch on a couple of things. Uh, looks like Scott's going to jump back in, so we'll get him in. Scott, I got you there. Yeah, I'm back. I don't know. Perfect. Uh, no worries. I just uh, I, I bridged the gap for you, but you were talking a little bit about the nutrition industry. Yeah, just the uh, the industry, you know, people are confused and they've tried multiple diets, multiple plans but nothing has been sustainable, right? So um, they've lost some weight, but then they've gained it back. And it really goes back to what we were talking about earlier with behavior change and making sure whatever we do, it's scientifically based, but it's also going to change component. Whatever your nutrition plan is, whatever your fitness plan is, you need to be able to do it for the rest of your life. This isn't a 12-week plan and then you're done. So building in that consistency is really important. And that's what I see on Instagram or, you know, TikTok or these other platforms is, you know, do this diet and you'll get a six pack. And it may be true, but is it sustainable for the long term? Is it sustainable for the rest of your life? And the answer is usually no. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. And that's kind of the way that I style my education too when it comes to teaching my clients is that there is no one fix because everybody's so different. And I know that's not the answer that people want to hear when they go on this fitness journey. They want a blueprint. They want, give me what works right now. And it's like, you have to understand there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of investigation. There's a lot of self-actualization and realization as you're going through this journey. So thank you so much for reaffirming that. And, and, you know, giving the people the right information, in my opinion. Well, my pleasure. <laughs> and Scott, I'm curious too, before we wrap it up here, I do want to be a little respectful of your time, but I, I, I do want to talk about your position uh, with the Fitness Council. What's it called again? The Fitness Industry Council of Canada. Like, let's talk about some of the lobbying that's done to not only the provincial, but the federal government, and I guess the direction that we're hoping to take. Yeah, sure. So I think from... Uh, provincial standpoint, um, healthcare authorities are governed provincially. So we want to make sure that we have good relationships with the provincial governments uh, and the health ministries to be part of the solution. Uh, so we feel our industry is uniquely poised to be a part of the solution in terms of getting our society back on track. And, you know, when we're talking about society getting back on track, many people talk about jobs and job creation, but you also need to be well as a human to be productive. You need to be well physically, you need to be well uh, emotionally, mentally. So and we know exercise can play a component there. What we're um, doing specifically besides helping government and helping the industry with our standards, operating standards, is uh, exercise prescription through the Prescription to Get Active program. So letting doctors know that they can prescribe activity where members, their patients can then take their prescription to our website. So we have a website called prescriptiongetactive.com and they can register and redeem their prescription in facilities across the province. And we've also now added online resources uh, for those Albertans that they might live in a rural community or a remote community, or maybe they just don't feel comfortable yet going into a facility they'll have online coaching opportunities. 
And so basically um, the facility or the online coach uh, has agreed to give one month complimentary access. And we're looking to um, make sure that there's a great induction process. So handholding, you know, teach how to use the equipment, make sure that they have that self-efficacy. And then from there, the patient can choose to uh, continue, you know, in any way they see fit. And so that could be either joining as a member or as a client uh, or using complimentary resources in their community, uh, walking groups, hiking groups. Um, you know, we know that the nonprofit facilities offer income subsidy. Uh, so there's lots of opportunities for people to become active. So we're trying to bridge the healthcare and the fitness and recreation to help be part of the solution in terms of getting Alberta back on track. And then obviously the other provinces as well. From a federal level, we're really focusing right now on rent relief, but then also recognition um, from a finance perspective on people who invest in their healthcare. So if you uh, belong to a, a fitness center, a studio, a gym, you are working with a registered exercise professional, we would like to see those fees be deducted from your income for tax purposes. Uh, you're making a proactive choice. You're saving the healthcare system thousands of dollars. So we have been able to prove that people that are active are generally less prone to metabolic disease. And that will save, you know, on average about $1,000 per person per year in terms of healthcare spending. And if you look at the provincial budgets, um, you know, over 40% is spent on healthcare and it's really sick care. So trying to get people to be proactive. So we're working with the federal government on recognition of those dollars being spent proactively, as well as the rent relief for the industry. So those are our biggest uh, mandates right now. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your time today. I mean, for, I, I just want to acknowledge you for a minute. I want to acknowledge you for your dedication and your service to not only the people that you work with, I mean, your clients in the past, the staff and coworkers that you've been with, but during this time of COVID-19, the ability that you and your team did to pivot, offer online engagement and, and workout programs, and, and with reopening safely and um, uh, clean enough so that people are comfortable to come back into a studio. So, I, and I just want to acknowledge you for a minute for, for all the work that you've put in to make this a success. Before well, I very we, much appreciate that. Of course. And uh, before we ask, uh, before we wrap it up here, I just want to know where can people find out more information, not only about gym movement, how about your Sure. Uh, you can go to our website, so gymvmt.com. Um, so you can see all of our locations, all of our remote services. Um, myself personally, I'm on Instagram at Scott Wildeman Fitness Pro. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you just find me on LinkedIn, you'll be able to find me. Uh, and then our industry association website, Fitness Industry Council of Canada is FICDN.ca. Uh, and then prescriptiontogetactive.com is the other website uh, that I mentioned. So those are uh, some of the ways you can connect and, and get more information. Beauty. Is there anything else you wanted to add before I, before I leave you on your way? Oh, I just want to give a shout out to you for this podcast, but all of the fitness professionals across the province, across the country who are working really hard to help serve their communities. I was inspired by Karen Salenzi, who you did an interview with a few weeks back. 
Um, you know, she is the epitome of uh, professional. Um, so I know she made the introduction for you and I. Um, but just there's, you know, there's a lot of Karens out there, the Karens Flenzies. There's a lot of folks that are really working hard to help as many people as possible. We're passionate about this industry. We're passionate about helping people. So I just want to, um, you know, give props and kudos to all those professionals and, you know, they, they treat it very seriously. So, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for them. Well, Scott, thank you so much. Hang on the line for a second. I'm just going to stop the recording, but thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Calgary Fitness Podcast. If you enjoyed the content and you want to see more like it, make sure that you leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast wherever you're subscribed to it so that we can keep this thing growing. Thanks so much. Have a good day.